Welcome to the Wits and Weights Podcast for busy professionals who want to get strong and healthy with strength training and sustainable diet. I'm your host, Philip Pape, and in each episode, we'll examine strategies to help you achieve physical self-mastery through a healthy skepticism of the fitness industry and a commitment to consistent lifting and nutrition. Welcome to episode 17 of Wits and Weights. Today, I have the honor of hosting a very special guest, Ty Lacero, for the first ever interview on this podcast. Ty is not only an engineering colleague of mine, we work for the same aerospace company, she finds time to train and compete as a raw power lifter, placing second this March in the 2022 USPA Connecticut State Championship in her weight class. And she only missed coming in first by a close tiebreaker against her training partner. I invited her on the show because I think her story is very relatable to those of us who are working professionals with busy lives, maybe a full-time job and a family, who still want to find a way to get big, strong, jacked, ripped, fit, toned, lean, healthy, whatever term you want to use. Tyla juggles work, family, and the challenges of life using a sustainable approach to training and nutrition. So I wanted to pick her brain on how she makes it all work. Tyla, Sarah, thanks for joining me on the show. Thank you, Philip. It's an honor to be your first guest. Absolutely. I'm really excited. I know we've talked a lot recently about training, nutrition, um, excitement, frustration, all these things. I just want you to start off by telling us your story. You know, how did you get into lifting? Sure. So as Philip mentioned, um, I work for the same company that he does. And since about March of 2020, we've been working remote and um, I'm officially not going back into the office probably ever. I opted to be completely remote. And for me personally, that has been a huge game changer, life hack, in my opinion. Um, I'm not totally against going into the office. If I absolutely need to, I can. But now um, I became a parent since the start of the pandemic too. So just having that almost two hours back in commuting time has really been huge in my ability to do all the things that Philip just mentioned. So yeah, that, that makes a huge difference, doesn't it? All that time. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, um, I'm a wife, I'm a military spouse. My husband is actually in the air national guard and he works at Pratt and Whitney, which is a sister company to the company that Philip and I work for. And he actually just got home from a deployment. He's we're both into health, wellness, fitness, if you will, but he's uh, a runner and actually training for the Marine Corps Marathon um, in D.C. So wow. I'm not into that. <laughs> <laughs> Different sides of the spectrum, right? <laughs> yeah, it's all no, fitness, though. I'd, yeah. I'd much rather strength train. But um, other than that, you know, those are probably the least interesting things about me. I think the most interesting thing about me is that I volunteer with uh, a rescue here in Connecticut called Protectors of Animals. And I've been with them since 2018. I work with the rescue dogs. Uh, they work with they have cats as well. And I volunteer about two hours every week, uh, walking them, feeding them, cleaning kettles and doing that sort of thing. And that's kind of my passion other than lifting. Oh, that, that's awesome. Yeah. We have a couple of dogs. One of them's getting up there in age and yeah, they're, they're part of the family. So yes, absolutely. Awesome. So th- a lot has happened during the pandemic in the last few years. It sounds like your, your family situation changed. Your husband went on deployment and came back. Um, I've read a lot of your Insta posts about the, your powerlifting journey. You know what? What got you into that? I mean, how how did you get to that point here, knowing that you're a busy professional like I am, and you know, there's only so much time for other pursuits. 
Sure. So I started competing in the sport of powerlifting in 2016. So it's been about six years that I've been competing. And what really got me into that was before then I had been lifting, you know, at like planet fitness, commercial type gyms. I did start work, um, working out at a CrossFit gym around 2013. That didn't last very long. I got hurt pretty soon into that doing like overhead snatches and things. And I did something to my shoulder and was like, I just sounds don't like, think this is for me. Sounds like a familiar story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's for like a lot every, of us. Yeah. Everybody's intro to CrossFit, but I mean, I, I could go down the tangent on that, but, um, and so I, then after that, I just, I wasn't, I was starting college and, you know, I wanted to look good and that was kind of my primary reason for working out but I was definitely not doing the right things. You know, I was doing way too much cardio, not eating enough, binge drinking and doing all sorts of things that were probably negating most of the stuff that I was doing inside of the gym. So I've been working out, I would say consistently since around 2013. Um, however, in 2016, one of my best friends, who's actually my nutrition coach right now, she did her very first powerlifting meet um, in Rhode Island and invited me to go be a spectator. And I went, I had no idea what to expect. I kind of had that stereotypical idea of what a power lifter was or looked like as like somebody that's kind of fat, kind of fit, uh, you know, maybe like sumo wrestler. I did, I didn't yeah, really know big and strong with the emphasis on big. Yeah. Right? You yeah. know, and I was like, that's not really for girls, is it? But whatever I went and I was amazed and in awe by watching, you know, 63 kilogram girls, women lifting, pulling 400 plus pounds, squatting 300 plus pounds, benching close to 200. And I literally was like, wow, can I be that strong? I want to be that strong. That's so cool. So right around that point, 2016, I was wrapping up my undergrad. I was getting ready to start graduate school. And I started strength training at um, a local gym called Lightning Fitness. It's in South Windsor. Um, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal facility. Uh, they keep the owner actually just bought um, a bigger space and they're, they're doing so much more than what it was back then. And that was really kind of like the pivotal, 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 it's all good. It's all good. Pivotal <laughs> point in my life where, uh, I really started to training kind of became a big part of my life. A lot of the relationships that I have today, friendships, um, stem from that gym and from the people that I met there. And so, yeah, it's been about six years that I, that I started powerlifting. I did my first competition about three months into actually working with the, so my very first coach was actually the owner of that gym, um, Matt Mills. And about three months into training with him, I did my first competition in, uh, USAPL down at, um, Gleason's performance gym in Derby, Connecticut. And I fell in love. It was, it was so much fun. So you jumped right in. So I want to, I want to take a step back. You, you mentioned how you started with CrossFit. Your original goal was aesthetics and right. getting fit, getting, you know, um, you had some injuries, you maybe didn't see the results you wanted and eventually you found strength training. And what it, what it sounds like to me, at least, is you have a passion for the training itself, maybe the process, maybe the competition and getting strong, which is a very different goal or, you know, immediate goal than aesthetics, even though it, kind of gets you that result For as sure. well, would you say? Yeah. And that's the interesting thing because, you know, when you're, I think not even, I was going to say a young person, but I think most people want to look good. And, um, a lot of times you'll hear people say like, 
I'm exercising, I'm eating right, I'm doing all of these things. And do you know, I actually had a coworker recently reach out to me and say, Hey, I know you know a lot about like exercising. Um, this is what I'm doing. Like, do you think I should be doing more core workouts? And I, you know, that that's the biggest thing is people will ask about like crunches and sit-ups for abs. And I'm like, the you core. know, it's it's getting tone, yeah. It sounds so corny, but you know, I remember hearing this years ago, like abs are made in the kitchen. And uh that really stuck with me. And it's you see it through the work that you put in that if you do eat well. 80% of the time, uh, you know, more, if you can eat better more of the time, great. You know, if that can just be like a habitual thing that you do, you just learn to like eating well, you're going to see body composition changes and the aesthetics will kind of come along with the uh, strength training, if you will. So it's kind of, you get the best of both worlds. You get to be strong and you get to look good. And I like that you mentioned nutrition because you can't have one without the other, unless you want to be an old school powerlifting look, right? <laughs> you want yeah. to get bigger. Um, but yeah, you mentioned uh, nutrition and you also mentioned core work and all of these things. I bet you're getting your squat up to a new PR help your stabilizer muscles as well, right? Yeah, definitely. So um, going into core stuff. So I had a baby about two years ago. And actually during my pregnancy, I started to notice that my core was changing quite a bit, which is a total normal thing that happens during pregnancy. Um, your abs literally have to separate in order to make room for a growing baby, but it really freaked me out. Um, I would be doing certain movements and exercises and I would just see this dome slash cone. They call it doning and combing, um, where you get this kind of like little mountain ridge that kind of juts out in between your abs. And, you know, if you've, if you're in tune with your body and you're paying attention and you see something like that, it looks really freaky. And, uh, I ended up going to work with a pelvic floor physical therapist and that was really incredible. Um, for, for a few reasons the that physical therapist taught me how to actually breathe and brace into those like deep transverse abdominal muscles that most people cannot properly engage. Interesting. Okay. Even as like somebody who had been lifting for years at that point, doing a very, very simple exercise to try to get those, um, muscles engaged was really, really hard. Um, so I think that when you learn how to breathe, right. And brace, right. Like you said, you know, my, my squat going up, I've noticed a huge change in the way that I squat and deadlift. And, And I can tell too, after I do a lift, if if my bracing was just off just a little bit, that lift is not going to move as easily if I right. engaged properly. So, and that's and that's with a belt, without a belt, both. Um, I like wearing a belt when I get past like an RPE seven or eight, or it depends too on reps. So, if I'm doing more than like three reps, I prefer a belt because it's easier for me to feel myself bracing, and and I don't sure. think that so. The way that I use my belt is I can feel it's at an actual physical barrier that I can feel my belly breathing out against and making that contact with the belt. So that way I I know I'm engaged. Does it actually support my back or do anything like that to help me be stronger? No, I don't think so. Um, I think it maybe gives lifters a little bit of like a placebo effect thinking like this is keeping me safe, but Again, if you're if you're bracing your core correctly, you you don't really need a belt. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree with everything you said. Like, you know, if I'm working in the 65 or 75% range, I'm not going to wear a belt. But as I warm up to doubles, triples, singles in that range, you're right. As it gets heavier, it helps with the intra-abdominal pressure Mm -hmm. and you shouldn't rely on it for, you know, preventing injury. Like I had back surgery last year and, you know, I know that breathing properly helps, but you don't rely on it to have bad form, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. All right. So that, that's awesome. Uh, So we talked about you getting into powerlifting, your coach, uh, very soon after starting, got you to compete. Was that hard to do? Um, or did you jump at the chance? Um, so I was kind of cocky or arrogant, I guess, when I first started my lifting career, I remember thinking that, you know, oh, I just pulled 315 for like the first time. These are newbie games. I'm going to be pulling 400 in six months. And, uh, I remember my first meet. So the thing with powerlifting too, is you should, if you're training for a meet, you really should train with the commands. I don't know how much you want me to talk about that, but I'd love to hear it because this is something I don't know much about. And I think the listeners would be fascinated with. Okay. So with powerlifting and with any sport, right, there's always rules. And within the different federations in powerlifting, there are different rules as well. So I've competed in USAPL and USPA. They have very similar rules at the, at the core, but they do have different rules as well. So what I'll be talking about is mostly as it relates to USPA, because that's what I'm most familiar with. And that the last three or four competitions that I've done have been USPA. Yeah. Sounds good. So in the sport of powerlifting, there are three main lifts that you are tested or that you compete in, which is squat, bench, and deadlift. You have three attempts for each lift. So a total of nine lifts for the day. And there are three judges, one that sits directly in front of you and two to the side. So often you'll hear like um, something like three white lights and that's what you're going for. So the judges will all base, you know, they're held to a standard. They have to be like either state qualified, nationally qualified judges. They have to sit through a test um, in order to qualify to be a judge. And then they actually have to sit for a certain number of meets as well in order to be like basically pass a standard that they're all judging to the same um, standard. And I I make a point of that because different federations don't have standards like that. So if you go compete in, um, I don't, I don't want to throw shade, but I'm kind of going to like an RPS meet or something like that. I'm I'm not really sure what their standards are for picking judges and stuff like that, but they're kind of notorious for people that squat really high, high squats. Yeah. Or yeah. You know, like you'll just see the white light somebody and then the next person will go and you'll be like, what that call made no sense. It's not objective. Yeah. Yeah. Which that's why I prefer, um, especially for new lifters. I think it's better to compete in like a USPA or USAPL federation. They're they're which is drug tested, right? Drug tested. Um, USAPL is drug tested. USPA has tested and untested competitions. Um, but they're both held, held to, like I said, really high standards. So that that's important, you know? Um, so as I was saying, there's three judges and your goal is ultimately to get two out of the three judges to give you a white light, which means you pass the lift. Um, you have to, so say you, so you start with squat and if you fail your squat on your first attempt, you have to retake that attempt again. If you fail it a second time, you get one last chance to take that squat. And if you fail it a third time, you, this is called something um, bombing out. You don't want to bomb out because then depending on the size of the meat, if, if it's a small local meat, they may still allow you to compete for the day, but it's not going to count. Got it. And, and it just, it, it ruins your total, of course. 
Yeah. Like you, you could potentially, you know, go have, you could have a really good day with bench and deadlift, but it doesn't actually count. Sure. You're not going to set any records or anything like that. Um, so you, you want to be conservative with at least your first attempt when you pick it, it should be something that you could do. You know, if you have a cold or a flu, you're not feeling well, you're really confident you're going to go under that bar and you're going to be able to hit that lift. Got it. Um, so you're, you're not, you're not going to hit, go for your all-time PR on the first, first lift. No, probably not a good idea. <laughs> yep. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of how the, the day looks. And then there are things called flights, which are based on weight class usually. So there'll usually be a flight A, B, C. Um, and depending on if the meat is split up into like one large meat for the day or Sometimes if it's a, they'll split it into two, which I prefer meats that are held on two days. Usually they'll have like the females on one day and the males on the other day. And that makes for a shorter day because sure. otherwise, you know, like you'll go squat, like meats typically start around 9am. I'm in one of the first classes because I'm a relatively small female and I'll squat and be done by like 10 squatting. And I'm not going to bench probably until like noon. And I'm not going to deadlift until 2 or 3 p.m. So it's a long day. There's um, a lot of rest between lifts. Okay. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of, so you have to be smart too with like how you warm up and how, you know, how quickly you do that. But ideally you have a coach and a handler if your coach is not also your handler. Um, and that handler should be somebody who can help you throughout, literally handle you throughout your day to make sure that you're staying hydrated, you're eating. Um, you're not just sitting there eating candy, right? That was something that I did a lot during my first meet is because I remember going to that meet where I watched my friend compete and seeing all these powerlifters eating donuts and Sour Patch Kids and Sour Patch Kids, <laughs> classic like uh, bananas and just like kind of crap food all day long. So I thought that's just what you do. That's what powerlifters right. do on on the day of a meet. Got to refill the glycogen, right? Yeah, but then as <laughs> as it went on and I competed more, um, I noticed that stuff would it's not something that I eat on a regular basis. And, you know, I don't have stomach issues per se, but if like I, my nerves are going and then I'm eating something that I'm not used to eating, the last thing you want to have to be doing on the day of a meet is be running to the bathroom. That's not any fun. Yeah, totally. So, um, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I would say for people who are just getting started into powerlifting, just pick a local meet. You know, if it's in the state that you live in, that's great. There's no point in traveling really far, um, for your first meet, it's that traveling in and of itself is stressful and you okay. want to limit as many things as you can to, um, you know, have, have a good day. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and it's, you know, cost less, you don't have to travel. Um, I, you right. mentioned, you know, powerlifting or comp competing in general can be intimidating for some people. It's mm -hmm. not something I've ever considered to be honest. Um, may, maybe in the master's class, it'd be a good thing to consider, but, um, you talked about, at the beginning, you, you thought you were being a little arrogant about your lifts. And so, oh, right. so what happened there? Yeah. So, um, I actually had wrote down, I can find it in my notes, my first, uh, meet. So my first meet was in September of 2016. Like I said, I competed in USAPL. I went six for nine for the day, which isn't great. Um, I think I had jumped some commands. So I remember hitting my third squat. And I squatted it perfectly, right? But that's one of the things too that I I, forgot, I neglected to, to mention earlier when I was talking about how powerlifting is set up. Um, you're given commands. So for the first lift squat, there is um, two commands and you'll unrack the bar. You have a minute too. So as soon as you get on, they'll say platform ready. 
the lifter walks out onto the platform, you have a minute to do the lift, which a lot, that's another thing too, that a lot of new lifters or new competitors will think that they're rushing, 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 and they, they go fast, fast, fast. A minute seems like a short amount of time, but if you're ready, you're standing there, you're chalked up, you're ready to go. Your lift is going to take about 10 seconds. So take your time. Take your Make time. Sure take a breath. Okay. Take a breath. Set up. Try to tune all, all, the, all the noise. Don't look at the spectators. Focus on like that head judge because he's going to have his hand up like this. And he's going to say squat. And he's gonna, his hand is going to come down. You're going to squat. You're going to stand up. And then you're going to wait for the rack command. And that is something that a lot of new lifters don't do, especially if they nail the lift because they're excited. They're like, yes. And then they rack it too soon. And then you just, you got three red lights because you didn't wait for a command. Now, okay. Now, now explain that to me because I always wondered that command as well as the bench pause at the bottom. Like mm -hmm. I always wondered about the, why, why, why do they exist? Um, it's a, it's one of, so uh, don't quote me, right. I'm not a, I'm not a USPA judge, but it's a control thing for one. So I know for bench, right. The, the point of the, so with bench, that's one of the more technical lifts. There's three commands. So they'll say, start, you'll unrack the, the bench or the, the bar and you'll, um, you'll bring the bar down and you want to bring that bar down slow and controlled. The more slow and controlled that you bring that bar down, the faster you're going to get a, um, an up command Got it. um or press command i should say so if you bring that bar down sloppily and it's kind of like coming down and you're you have no control over that bar they're going to what the judges are looking for is no movement in the barbell that's so that's why those commands exist and i think it's another thing that has to do with standards right like you have to squat to a certain depth which is like um breaking parallel with bench your butt can't come up off the bench um USPA, your head can come off, off the bench, but USAPL cannot. Your feet, they can be up, like you can be up on your toes. Some people, I, I lift that way. Other people have their heels completely flat, but your feet cannot move. They cannot slide or anything like that, or it can't actually lift up off the floor. And it's just, in my opinion, it's a way to kind of make it so that way there is a standard across the sport. That way everybody's kind of lifting to the same it's hard. It's hard to grade something or judge sure. something when you don't have like standards. I guess. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. You know, so deadlift is the easiest one. You right. you go out there, you pull that bar, and then they just say down, and that's it. So a okay. lot of things. A lot of <laughs> new lifters will um they'll go out there and they'll wait. They think like you're gonna get a command to say like start or something, but you don't. So it'll be like this awkward thing where like it's, the, just, a, it's just up to you. The judges aren't allowed to talk to the lifter. They're not going to be like, okay, go now, you know? So sometimes it's funny. You'll see like when it's somebody that's like 60 years old and it's their first meet and they're super excited and it's a local meet too. Most, you know, like um, a friend of mine is actually the meet director for USPA. They're not going to take it that seriously. Like if somebody's like, okay, you know, you just start, it's not a big deal. Um, but if you're competing at like the national level or, you know, even higher than that, it's, you're not going to get that leeway i guess sure. that was another thing too and i was talking about being arrogant i remember doing my first meet and i had a few friends who had competed at the national level and i was like oh i'm gonna go to nationals next year that did not happen <laughs> <laughs> you gotta start somewhere i mean i like the ambition right you know to push yourself um i mean yeah. let's let's so let's talk numbers I, you made a lot of progress over the years especially mm -hmm. even in the last few years i saw you know the excitement of you getting back into it with your training partner right. i mean if you don't mind 
you know, sharing your PRs or, or even just the process you went through to get to this point? So my very first meet, I totaled 650 pounds. I think I squatted about 225, maybe. I benched around 115 pounds and I deadlifted, I want to say like 315. And I was, I was stoked to get an over 300 pound deadlift. I thought that was so cool. It's awesome. I mean, you got it done, you know, that's great. Yep. And then uh, my second meet was a little less than a year later in May of 2017. I totaled 705 and a half pounds, which that's a decent jump. um, Jump, right? I think that's probably, no, looking at it. To add anything more than like, you know, add 50 pounds plus to your total. Yeah, it's like 20%, good. something like right. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a ton, yeah. Uh, the following meet I did was in August of 2018, so about a year later, and I totaled 716. So there wasn't much progress there. That was only about, you know, 10 pounds that I added to my total. I did another meet the following spring in April of 2019, and I totaled 743.4. So, I mean, I'm still making progress every meet my total was getting better, which is something that I didn't actually even realize until I started preparing for this conversation, actually. So I was, I was proud of myself. I gave myself a little pat on the back for seeing that like, Hey, you know what? It doesn't, it doesn't always feel like you're going in a smooth line, right. Right. With lifting, but overall my, my journey with lifting, it has been pretty, pretty good. Because in, in the moment you feel like you're not quite where you want to be, but relative to the last time you've, you're still getting stronger. And that's yeah. the point, right? That's the point. Yeah, for sure. And um, so the fifth meet that I did was in November of 2021. So I can't believe that was already almost like six months ago. I totaled over 800 pounds, which that was a huge goal for me. Wow. I totaled 804.7 pounds. And I have to say that was probably the best meet of my life. Um for, for a bunch of reasons. There was a lot going on at that time. I, my husband was deployed. My kid had been sick, like nonstop. I know you have children too, Philip, and it's mm-hmm. probably been a while since they've been in daycare, but my goodness, like, you know, I, at, catch that point, <laughs> at that point, I wasn't even worried about COVID. It was just like hand, foot, mouth disease, stomach bug. It was so bad. And then I had gotten sick right before the meet and wasn't good, but I ended up going nine for nine that day, which was a, that was a first. I had never, I had never hit all of my attempts on all of my, uh, lifts. I, I squatted, um, three Oh three that day and it, it blew. And, uh, I could have cried, you know, for me to squat over 300 pounds that took six, six years for me to get to that point. So that, that was a really good day for me. And, um, uh, my friend, my training partner was going to compete in March. Cause she had actually broke her foot that fall and it kind of threw things off. Cause initially she was going to compete with me in that meet as well. Um, she didn't end up competing, but I still did. And despite all of the crazy stress that I had going on in my life, I had a great day. So I was really stoked about that. And then the most recent meet that I did, I came in first too, at that meet. That's awesome. So that was Look cool. at that. But there may have only been I think there were only three people, two or three. I'll have to look at that. So there, there may have only been two people in the meet and I came in first, which eh, whatever, but whatever, still got the first place. That was cool. My m- most recent meet was in March of this year. And I told 821.2. I did not squat over 300 pounds like I did in November, but I added about 10 pounds to my bench. So I benched 175 point something 
which was really awesome. Um, I think for a lot of, I don't know about men, but for females, bench is probably one of the harder lifts to like see go up and sure you you stall pretty quickly on that one yeah like you know it's it's pretty hard to make big achievements there like usually a five pound pr couple pound prs is huge whereas squat and deadlift i feel there's a little bit more room for bigger bigger prs so for me to for me to bench 175 like that was and it wasn't it wasn't super slow either i felt like i still had more gas in the tank which is pretty awesome to think that you know, back in 2016, when I went to see my friend compete and I was watching female lifters about the same size as me benching close to 200 pounds and me thinking, oh, that's going to be me next year. And then me a few years into powerlifting being like, I am never going to bench over 150 pounds to now benching over 150 pounds. That's it's, it's a really, it's really cool to, to see that happen. And then deadlift. Was that something you, you specifically focused on that lift, uh, leading up to that, or just kind of got lucky and and pushed it up more than the others? No. Um, I will have to credit that to having a really awesome coach. Okay. Uh, I think, um, benching more or doing more arm or upper body, like, uh, accessory work variations of benching, I think is important. Like don't just bench once, once a week or overhead pressing, which I know you're a big fan of huge, um, that that's huge too. Like if you can overhead press a lot, you could probably have a pretty big bench. So yeah, bench, that was probably, I, I don't know. It's hard to say between bench and deadlift because deadlift has been a lift that I have struggled on for ever. And, um, like you, not as severe, I've definitely have not had back surgery or anything like that, but I have had back pain on and off ever since I started strength training. Like I can remember, you know, you, you'll pull your back doing something or you might not feel it when it happens. And then you go home and you're like, okay, yeah, this isn't good. And then you, you lay down in bed and you're like, I can't get up. Mm -hmm. You you can't walk. And it's just that like crippling feeling of pain. And I've gone to PT and chiropractors. And after a couple of weeks, it starts to get better. And I, and I still don't know whether or not that was because was it the dry needling? Was it all of the PT? Was it the chiropractor? It's or like black it magic time? sometimes. <laughs> or was it just time though, right? Maybe, like yeah. sometimes time just, it just takes time for, for you to heal a, a strain, muscle strain or something like that. But um, hurting my back a couple of times made me kind of afraid to deadlift. Um, I was so, especially, so I pulled conventional for the longest time. I see. And I tend to pull out of position more so on conventional, you know, my back will round like a cat as I'm pulling, which okay. you don't want that to happen. I mean, you, you, right. You want to set your back. Yeah. Um, you, you, I you mean, wanna... some, some, some elite lifters get away with, you know, mm-hmm. odd form and they develop and adapt to it over time. But yeah, generally you don't want to do that. Right. Right. And that, that's the thing too, you know, like form is, is important. I think I, I believe that it is, um, it may not be the only thing that keeps you from getting injured, but it's definitely going to minimize, minimize that. And it is a lot lot of weight too. You know, it's, it's a lot of weight. Hey guys, I just wanted to thank you for listening to the podcast. If you find it valuable, you would be doing me a huge favor by sharing it on social media. Just take a screenshot, share it to your Instagram story or Facebook. Please tag me so I can personally thank you. And we can talk about what you found helpful and how I can improve. Again, an incredible thank you for supporting the podcast and enjoy the rest of the episode. So I, I was afraid to like 
lift over 300 pounds for a long time. And I would constantly sandbag deadlifts. Like I would just not put in a lot of effort because I don't want to push it. I don't want to just out of fear. Okay. Yeah. But, um, at that meet, so the meet that I just did with uh, my friend, Sam, it's funny because the whole day, right? Like, so I, I went squats just weren't feeling good, but, um, I squatted 297 on my second attempt and Sam and uh, Sam and my, uh, our coach and everybody was like, you know, you squatted 303 at your last meet, go for 308. I kind of knew it wasn't there that day, but I was all right, 308. Had I had chosen 303, would I've gotten it? I'm honestly not sure. I, I don't think so. 297 did not move that well. Um, but I ended up failing that third attempt. So I was calculating, right? Like, so I knew Sam had her, she got all three of her lifts in squat. I think she squatted around 275. So then when bench came, I was doing the math in my head because as much as like, you know, I'm happy for my friend and I am the whole point of competing is you want to win. Why compete if you don't want to win? Right. So I'm in my head thinking like, okay, what do I have to hit on bench? What do I have to hit on deadlift to get a first place here? And so, um, uh, I had failed my third attempt. So I knew I had like 10 pounds on the squat and then for bench, um, we, we took the same attempts for bench Our bench is very, very close. And she failed her third attempt at 175. So she just got one, 165 for bench, but her deadlift has like 20 plus pounds on mine. Okay. So I hit my third attempt in bench 175. So then I had, I had her in the squat on the bench by squat by like 10 pounds bench by 10 pounds. But I knew when deadlifts were coming, I'm like, she's got like 20 to 25 yeah. pounds on <laughs> She me. had you by the same amount. Yeah. You know? Okay. Got it. So in my head, I'm thinking like, this is so close. And, and I was so happy for Sam too. Like, like I said, we're training partners and it's friendly competition. So we go for deadlifts and like her third deadlift attempt was amazing. Like I was, I was as excited for her on that third attempt that I was for myself on my third attempt. I can't remember what she pulled, but I think around like 370, 369 or something like that, which is, is huge. And uh, I had pulled 336 at my meet in November, which was a PR by a couple of pounds. And uh, I went for it on my third attempt. You know, I was like, whatever, I'm just going to go for it. Because if I don't hit this, I'm definitely not going to get first place. Okay. So I went for 347.2, I think. I, I don't know what the. So more than was. 10 pound PR, you're saying? Yeah, three yeah. three thirty six in November, three forty seven. Yeah, yeah. 11, 11 point Huge. something pounds. Um, and I pulled and I pulled and I pulled and I waited for that down command and I got it and then I looked and the lights were actually broken for my third attempt. So they, they have like little, little buttons that they press for the red and white lights. And in my in the video, you can see me like look and I look like a crazy person because I'm like, where are the lights? Where are the lights? <laughs> and uh, they had paper, so they everybody the judges held up like a white sheet of paper. And okay. I was like, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so I got and it, three. It, and then you thought, okay, I won, right? <laughs> well, I don't know. So I didn't, I didn't talk about the other Sam. At that point, I had not, I was not convinced that I had won the meet or out totaled my friend Sam uh, because I have not talked about the other Sam who was competing in our weight class that day. So there was another Sam in our weight class and she, I think that might've been her first meet. She's definitely, she's a new lifter, but she's strong as hell. Um, she has phenomenal deadlift technique. Her squat and bench isn't that great, but most lifters aren't when they first start. And I think that if she sticks with the sport, she's going to be a national level level athlete, like most likely. Um, she 
polled, she outpolled Sam and I, and like I said, she's been lifting for like six months, I think. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, she was she was really strong. So Sam and I out totaled Sam R and I out totaled Sam L. Um, however, Sam L polled significantly more than us, and she's younger than us too. She's still in college, so um, she's got a lot of a lot of years to get better and to get stronger, and I I think she absolutely will. So I that whole so then after the meet, right? Like I was saying, it's a long day. After we got done competing because there were two sessions in one day, the whole meet day goes till about seven or eight o'clock, which kind of stinks. Like you're stuck there for a long time. Um, my husband and son did come down to, I think they saw like some of my bench and deadlift, but like I have a toddler and that's, he likes to be running and not in a gym like that cooped up. And it's not really something that's super fun for my husband. So they weren't going to stick around till like, you know, medals were being handed out and stuff like that. And I wasn't sure that I was going to stick around for medals too, because if I'm not placing, I don't really care. Um, and it just, just takes too long, you know, to, to be there from, you're there from 8 a.m. to like 8 p.m. It's a long day. Yep. But uh, I was, so me, Sam R and Sam L, we were all very friendly. And that's another thing that I love about the sport of powerlifting too, is most people aren't, for lack of a better word, like dicks. Like most people are really kind and helpful and want to help you right so if you're warming up and there's one um so at this past meet we used a squat bar which has knurling all across it mm-hmm. versus like a power bar that has knurling in the middle and knurling on the sides i prefer a power bar just because that's what i've used for the last 10 plus years so i know exactly where my hands go yeah you know where the that. rings are and everything yeah right yeah, absolutely and, you know, Sam R, my training partner and I had been training on a squat bar for the last, the whole entire meat prep. But I still, when I walk up to that bar, I'm like, where the heck do I put my pinkies? I need to like break out a friggin' ruler and sure. measure it because it's just, it throws me off. So, um, like I was saying though, like in the sport of powerlifting, I have found that most people are very kind and helpful and friendly. And I have a pretty outgoing personality too. So when I'm at a meet, I'll just walk up to somebody and be like, Hey, I really like your singlet. Where'd you get it? Just to start conversation and kind of have that icebreaker and like, let people know like, yes, it is a competition, but we're all here to first and foremost, have fun. And that that's been something that I've learned too over the years is that don't take yourself so seriously. If you do, if you walk into that meet and you've got your headphones on and you're like, you know, screw everybody. I'm just here to like crush PRs. If you fail a lift, and you're in that mindset of like, ugh, angry power lifter, you're probably going to get like down on yourself and it's just going to spiral. Yeah. It's going to be devastating. Mm-hmm. Stay friendly, enjoy the community. It sounds like a great community. Um, and, and you've been doing it now for, like you said, six years. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you talk, so you talked about your training partner, Sam, you guys have like a friendly competition, so to speak. And you also push each other. It looks like in training. I mean, what, what does your training look like? Um, maybe talk about what it's like to have a training partner or what, you know, advice for some people listening as to how that works. Yeah. So I never had a training partner up until about, um, the end of 2020, right. Um, I had, powerlifting coaches who did my prescribed my training. And then I would, this was before I had a child and, you know, that takes up a lot of my time now, but before then I would go to the gym and I would spend about three hours a day, maybe four five, six days a week at the gym. Was I training for three hours? Absolutely not. I was probably training for an hour and a half, maybe two max. 
but it was a big social thing for me. So instead of yeah. like going to a bar or something like that, that's what I did. And like I said, a lot of my, my close friends now are still people that, um, train at lightning fitness, but it just wasn't conducive for my life at that point anymore to train like that. And even like I had said, because at the my, time, because of how much time it took. Yeah. 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 Okay. You know, just, it just wasn't something that I was really super interested in. Um, I was breastfeeding, which that's a whole other thing too. Like I just, I didn't like to be away from my baby for that long. I didn't want to have to like bring a pump or anything like that. It was just too much. The thought was just very overwhelming and COVID was still, that was kind of the height of COVID as well. So the gym had just opened back up and I was not comfortable. I had a newborn baby. Vaccines were not a thing yet. It just wasn't comfortable being around a bunch of maskless people at the gym because like, say yeah, what you to- will. Totally understandable. <laughs> nope. Didn't want to yeah, do it. Yeah. You've got a baby at home. I, I understand. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I was kind of in this like depressed maybe state and in that end of 2020, I, I stopped lifting. So if I back up a little bit to my pregnancy, um, when I noticed the whole diastasis recti thing going on, the coach that I had at the time was not very receptive of it. And I don't know how much experience he had with coaching pregnant athletes, but I knew that that was a niche that other people, other coaches had more experience with. So I decided this is, to this is the abdominal issue you talked about. Yeah. Earlier, yeah right. Okay. The, okay. The abs just to clarify for, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't, had, like, I can't relate. So, <laughs> no. but, um, I had, I had read up on it that there were certain ways to breathe and, and my physical therapist too was like, absolutely no, um, heck is it called like valve? Val valgus breathing when you basically when you you know when you do a squat or double you hold your breath valsalva maneuver like yeah that the, that's the, it yeah yep um she was like don't do that like imagine like your your abdominal area is a canister and when you do valsalva valsalva maneuver um you're putting so much pressure on like your pelvic floor and like there's already a baby growing there and you don't want to add all of that pressure because what happens when a pressure when there's too much pressure things can Oh, interesting. You know, so like, so okay, so you're being advised not to do that because of your unique situation. Well, just she just said during pregnancy in general, not mm-hmm. a good idea to breathe breathe like that. Okay, just any okay, anybody who's yep. pregnant got it. Yeah, okay. you really should breathe through the lift, which that was completely foreign to me to breathe through a squat, breathe through a deadlift. Oh, so it's I'm, like you have to brace while breathing. Is that that the idea? Yeah. Like you're, yeah. you're not, you're not holding your breath at all. Um, you're trying to minimize as much pressure as you're putting on that, like pelvic girdle area. Um, so like I said, my coach didn't really know a lot about it. Wasn't really comfortable with it. So I started switch to, um, Brianna battles, which if you are a female in this world and you have been pregnant or you know anything about that, like she's pretty big in that area. So she had a, uh, pregnant post pregnant and postpartum athlete training. And I actually really liked her program. It was more of like a CrossFit kind of like a power building type of thing. We still squatted a lot. Um, not really a lot of bench, but like I, I still deadlifted. She was big on the, you know, breathing through each lift. Um, they had the app, I think teachable. So okay, sure. it was, it was really easy to work with. Um, you could like watch a video of, of them doing the lifts if you needed the. Yeah, that's great. So you found something that worked for you being yeah. pregnant. Yeah. Yep. It worked really well. And then that was like three months into 2020. And that was when the pandemic hit. So I stopped having access to a gym and at the time did not have a home gym to train at. Uh, and nobody knew what the heck was going on with COVID. So <laughs> <It was laughs> oh, this will be over in two weeks. 
<laughs> yeah. And I kind of just was like, oh, whatever. And I stopped training. My husband, like I said, has always been a runner. So he's like, well, why don't you like pick up running? So I started running like a mile around the neighborhood, two miles, three miles. Like, okay, I can do this, which I do not recommend starting like a completely new exercise regimen, like 20 weeks into a pregnancy, probably not a good idea. (laughs) So my husband was going for a longer run at like one of the rail trails in our area. And, um, he's like, I'm doing a five miler today. I'm like, okay, yeah, five miles. No big deal. He's like, you sure you've only like run two or three miles. Yeah, I've got it. No problem. So I ran the five miles. It was an out and back and was playing it cool. Like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then by the time I got home, I was like, (laughs) not fine. Uh, I think I ran maybe a couple more times. Um, and then I just kind of stopped lifting like up until I, we, uh, we ended up getting a bunch of dumbbells bottom off of Facebook marketplace for a decent price. So I was doing some sure exercises. Yeah. I, yeah, I can totally relate. Yeah. Very few but, people had home gyms at that point, but not structured. Like it was not structured right. at all. I'd stopped following that, uh, pregnant athlete program. Wasn't really doing anything. Then I had a baby. Um, we bought a house. My husband was taking like a bunch of classes. He was going back into the office now because at the time he was like active duty military leading up to his deployment. Um, so it was just really, really busy. And I could just feel my, and I, I had, okay, my, my maternity leave was up. I was going back to work. I was really stressed out about my son going to daycare because of COVID. Um, I wasn't sure how I would feel about going back to work. I think I'm really grateful to be in a situation where had I had wanted to stay home, we would have been able to do that. Um, he went to daycare. I went back to work and I was like, yep, this is definitely where I like to be. So that worked out. And then, uh, that was probably around like November, October timeframe, December, our family ended up getting COVID and I was just mm. bummed. I just like, I, I didn't actually, I was asymptomatic, asymptomatic, didn't have any symptoms. My husband was really sick. The baby was sick and I just was just not feeling good. And, and the, you know, it's so hard to look back on that time and say like, why wasn't I feeling good? Was it because I stopped lifting? Sure. Was it because I gave birth? Was it because I gave birth during a pandemic? Was it all these things combined, right? right. Like there was a lot going on, probably all of the above. So I, I, my husband was like, you're miserable and you're kind of no fun to be around. And I really think you should go back to your gym because you're because taking that's it out. Because like. that's what you love and that's what makes you feel good, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. and I was just like the thought, the thought of driving to the gym and like doing it, like it sounded good, but I, wa- I wasn't sure if that was the right move. Um, so I had reached out to my friend, Sam and during the pandemic, her and her, her husband started building a really kick-ass home gym. It took them some time, of course, over the, the year with like all the shortages and whatnot, but they got some awesome equipment and she was like, Hey, why don't you come train with me? And that was actually, so the company that Philip and I work for, it shuts down between Christmas and new year's. We get like a week off. Um, so that week, Sam invited me to come train with her. I went there and, uh, Sam's husband, Carlos Reyes, he's a professional power lifter, like ranked, I think like number eight in the world. Oh, wow. Okay. Very strong guy. He, and I look like, I look up to him. Like if Carlos gives me some advice, I'm definitely like, okay, yep. Got it. So Carlos asked me that morning. He was like, what are you training today? And I was like, I don't really know. Not sure. And Sam's like, well, why don't you do my program with me? And I, and I was like looking at Sam and, you know, she's jacked and strong and does her program daily. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do your program, but I'll try it. Right. 
but da- daily day, meaning like a seven day program or oh no no sorry she yeah. she trains like i think she's been training like four days a week like, like four day split yeah yeah um for years now but poor choice of words so yeah so she she's been training on a weekly basis whatever consistently sure. understood and i had not been so i knew whatever i did that day i was going to be sore but whatever um, so I was like, all right, I'll do it. So I did all the same movements as her, but you know, she was squatting with weight on the bar. I was squatting with the barbell and 45 pounds felt really heavy. Um, and I, I remember like, I think the day or two later, she's like, okay, like you're coming over to train. I'm like, nah, I don't think so, Sam. I don't think I'm going to make it. Like, I feel like I got hit by a bus. And I can't remember what she said to me. I wish I, I wish I still had the text, but she was basically like, come on, don't be like a chicken. Yeah. Like, Sure. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Like the soreness doesn't last forever. Like just, just get here and train. And I was like, oh, fine. And so I went back and it, the rest is kind of history, right? Like since then her and I have been training consistently for a year and a half now. Um, and well, we knew my husband was deploying. That wasn't like a surprise. So leading up to the deployment, I had said to my husband, like, listen, we have uh, two garage bays. And I said, we're turning one of them into a gym because I know I'm not going to be able to get to Sam's house to train four days a week. It's probably not going to happen. I'm going to be doing things completely solo for seven months. So we need to get gym equipment, I'm making mm-hmm. that a priority. And we did. And I'm glad that I did um, because it, it made being able to train for like my powerlifting meet in November a possibility when my kid was really sick. And the only time I could train was at night after he went to bed, which I do not prefer training at night. I definitely prefer training. If I had it my way and I didn't work, I would train at like 10 a.m. every day. Sure. After breakfast. You get the energy going. It's not too late in the day. Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah. And I hear you because I have to train early in the morning (laughs) because of work. So there's a lot lot to unpack here um, because what I want to, the heart of the matter here is the consistency. It sounds like you got significantly detrained. We had the pandemic, so you didn't have a place to go. It's it's always a hassle to even go to a gym, right? Even when there is one available. So you had somebody that held you accountable, which, you know, maybe not everybody has that, but at the end of the day, it got you to train regularly. And then you did the home gym thing, which, which I've done. And I think, I, I constantly encourage my listener to to really think about that. It's a small investment compared to what you get out of it and the time mm-hmm. you save. And, mm-hmm. and it's there, right? Staring you in the face so you can't help but train. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, my husband uses it too, even though he is a runner, like he he does do some stuff. So it's it's getting its use and it'll last forever. No, you runners know? don't runners don't trade, do they? <laughs> <laughs> but um it, it'll it'll if it, if you take care of it, it's gonna last forever and it's you just can't, it's invaluable, I guess. Absolutely. All right. Well, I want to respect, respect your time. I think I had, I had one last question I wanted to ask. Um, and that is, do people ever question or misunderstand what you're doing? All of the time. Um, <laughs> okay. I'll pick a couple of things to talk about. First thing is um, older family members, not even older, just family members will be like, you're going to break your back. You're going to hurt yourself. That's too much weight. Like, or, you know, or no, you just like the, the stereotypes about like me being a girl or me being a woman and lifting and it's not feminine and like, you know, like whatever, like, no, actually like lifting and I, and I don't, and I'm, or you're going to get too big, right? Do, do you get that one? Like you're going to get too big or no, I, you know, uh, my coach actually said this to me the other day. Um, my nutrition coach, she had said like, uh, I forget something about giving out free advice. Like just don't do it basically. Cause people aren't going to listen sure. to you. 
Um, I can't tell you how many people have asked me like, oh, you're in shape. You lift weights or can I, can you help me? How do I get to your point? And you're just, you give them like really basic information right. and then they proceed to not do any of it. Right. Or they'll say like, well, I, I don't want to get like big muscles. I just want to get toned. I don't want to look like a bodybuilder. I don't. And I, and I hate the word. I lift those 10 pound dumbbells. I'm going to, I'm going to look like a bodybuilder. Yeah. And I hate, I hate the word tone. Cause I'm like, what does tone even mean? Like, do you want, you want to put on some lean muscle mass? Like what? But, um, yeah. So I think that the biggest thing I get is you're going to hurt yourself. Um, that has been like from the start. And I, I mean, I look back on some videos, right. And I'm like, Ooh, that is a cringy looking deadlift. But never, never. You have, to, you, have to, you have to figure it out at some point. Yeah, okay. Because I didn't want to mention the the female angle, right? Um, but but you hit the, the nail on the head with the. I think that not a double standard, but I mean, like if if somebody I'm a dude, you know, and I'm saying I'm working out, people are like, oh yeah, that makes sense, you know, <laughs> like that's generally accepted. But I, I imagine with with being a woman that you get some weird look sometimes. That's why I wanted to ask the question. Yeah, you. I mean, or just the fact when I say I'm like power lifter, people are like, what? Sure. Yeah. you know, like female power lifter, but it's so weird. Cause I'm so far removed from that stage in my life. Uh, I've been a power lifter now for so many years. So a lot of the circles that I'm in and the feeds that I follow are curated to other female lifters. So it's just, that's just the world that I live You're in, in that community now. Um, yeah. And every so often I'll talk to a friend who's, who doesn't strength train and they'll say something that's just wild to me, you know, like wearing waist trainers or they're doing just tons and tons of cardio. And they're like, I can't lose weight. And they're eating like 1200 calories a day. And I'm like, dude, my toddler eats more than you. Right. Metabolic Uh, adaptation, too much cardio. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, uh, it stinks. Like I, I really do think strength is for everyone. Um, I'd sent Philip a video the other day of like a woman who is in her seventies strength training. And I was like, that is so cool. Shelly. Yep. You know, like you're never, you're never too old to start strength training. It really is for everyone. And you're probably going to lead a longer, healthier life if you do lift some weights. That, I that's what I totally advocate what you're saying. And how would you like, so people listening to this podcast do want some advice. What is your advice for somebody who's maybe either brand new or even maybe recreational wants to get more into powerlifting? Work with a coach. That's, that's probably the biggest thing in order for it to be sustainable and for you to not actually hurt yourself if you don't know what you're doing. Um, because I don't know the science behind it and why I lift the way that I lift. Like if you ask me what kind of program are you on? I'm like, I think it's a power building right now, the phase that we're in, but I don't know like the reason that we lift in the way that we do, but I know that it works. Sure. Um, and I have full faith in my coach to, to prescribe a program that's going to keep me healthy and safe and having fun. Right. So that's probably my number one piece of advice. And the second advice is just pick a meet and sign up and sign up and do it. Awesome. Don't commit don't, yourself. Yeah. Don't wait until like you're, Oh, I have to be this strong before I can do it because the sport of powerlifting, unless you are at that like elite national level, you're really competing against yourself at the end of the day. So if, if you're making PRs and you're, you know, continuing to, to have progress, then at the end of the day, you can be happy because you're just competing against yourself. Really. Awesome. So find a good coach, however you can, get into it, be consistent, have fun with it, sign up for me, go, go get at it and, and have fun and get strong. Um, Absolutely. So Tyler, where can listeners find more about you? I am on Instagram at Tyler zero. I think, I don't think there's a dash in there. No, I think it's one word. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Tyler zero. Tyler zero. And uh, 
yeah, if you have any questions or if you're new into lifting, I'd be happy to give you some advice. I'm not an expert, not a coach, but I can at least talk about my own personal experiences with the sport. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Philip. Thank you so much for joining me today. Before you go, I do have a quick favor to ask. If you enjoy the podcast, just let me know by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. This will help others find the podcast in search results, which makes a huge difference. Thanks again for joining me, your host, Philip Pape, in this episode of Wits and Weights. I'll see you next time and stay strong. Hey, before you go, I want to let you know about a free resource I have. They are free guides on everything from fat loss to eating out to building muscle to managing hunger to figuring out the best macros for you and more being added all the time. You want to get the most out of these podcasts and your time to look and feel your best, and these free guides will give you a quick and easy way to know what to do. If you want to get your hands on these completely free guides, you can head over to witsandweights.com slash free. That's witsandweights.com slash free to get your free guides and level up your results today.